Hi, this is Jim Stoker, host of Web Comics Reviews and Interviews. Today, it's the Dancing Potluck. So sit back, relax, and let the Geek Fest begin. One of the really weird things about running a webcomic is that you quickly find that a lot of your decisions will hit uh, an interesting compromise between business decisions and artistic ones. That is, you're going to start with an incredibly long list of stuff that you can possibly put into your webcomic, and you've got to winnow that list down somehow. That is, you've got to figure out what's going to work for your comic and what won't, and try to avoid a lot of the stuff that won't work. On top of that, you can't really go with what works or doesn't work in other webcomics, because even if you take two webcomics that are roughly the same, well, obviously what works great in one won't work in the other. Uh, take PvP versus uh, Penny Arcade, for example. Both of these are essentially four-panel comic strips that deal with gaming. The problem is, is that PvP tends to look more at the, an office-type situation, whereas Penny Arcade tends to look at more of a group of people that are just playing crazy when it comes to gaming. Because of this, there are some limitations when it comes to the two different strips. With Penny Arcade, for example, you can get away with a lot of different mature stuff that you just can't in PvP, whereas with PvP, you can get away with a lot more family-related comedy than you can in Penny Arcade. Sort of a translation of that. You've had hardcore porn jokes in Penny Arcade that have actually worked really well, as well as high violence and some really nasty stuff going on. That just simply wouldn't fly in PvP. On the other hand, with PvP, you've got stuff like, you know, people hitting immaturity, uh, romance, that sort of thing, that don't really work that well in Penny Arcade. Both of these are really great strips, don't get me wrong. In fact, if you're basically looking for inspiration, the two of them should definitely be the ones you've at least looked at a couple of strips. But, what, I'm just trying to point out that the two of them are in two entirely different countries, and in fact, it may as well be in two entirely differently, different worlds. It's just, the rules of one would not work with the other. And that's not necessarily a bad thing. That's actually a pretty great thing. Then you're going to have comics that get a little bit weird and people will try to copy that weirdness. Well, sometimes that works, sometimes it... Well, actually, let's get real, most of the time it doesn't. In order to accomplish a really weird comic, you've got to... Have, you can't just simply be weird yourself. You have to understand why that weirdness works. That's why we have comics like Dresden Kodak. A really great little political statement that espouses an anarchist point of view and it works but a lot of people that try to copy that particular weirdness well it tends to not work so well Dresden Kodak is definitely something that needs to be looked at broken down and really enjoyed but at the same time it's really hard to capture that particular genie so to speak The key here is that we're going to be looking at a lot of different topics tonight that is that need to really be looked at before you actually start putting them into the actual comic itself. 
I'll be straight up. We've been dealing with a lot of these topics to a certain degree off and on. And obviously this is not going to be the final word on those particular topics. Nonetheless, they are topics that need to be brought up and really analyzed because there's a lot of weirdness to them. And by weirdness, I mean sometimes they work, sometimes they fail, and it sort of helps to look at why they do that. (laughs) Obviously, we're going to be looking at a lot of the business versus arts decisions. I'm obviously not trying to point out that if you're trying to be an artist and you're you know, that's the decision you want to go with 90% of the time, that's fine. This is your webcomic. You need to do what's right for your particular webcomic. And if you're trying to demonstrate your artistic talent in your webcomic more than you're trying to make it a successful business venture, that's cool. You know, there's a lot of really great webcomics out there that are pretty much nothing but, hey, I as the artist have decided this is what I'm going to try to do. And here's how I'm going to do it. And it's a really great comic. Flip side, you've got a situation where most of the decisions are being made on a business-related situation, and it just never works. That is, you can't... Here's the problem. When you start looking at a lot of reasons why a lot of your big creative ventures tend to fail, they tend to fail because people tend to do the business end of it more than the artistic. That is, they were trying to do a script that went by the numbers, you know. Some executive decided, hey, I need this in the comic, or sorry, I need this in this movie in order for the movie to succeed financially. And as soon as they start throwing in too many of these financial decisions, the movie dies. The classic example here is Mel Brooks and the Elephant Man. Essentially, the executives were able to watch a run of the actual movie before it was actually put out, and they decided they wanted to make a huge number of changes in order for the movie to work. Except that, like you pointed out, a lot of these decisions were based on the business end of it. That is, these decisions were based on, hey, it's not a cute, fluffy movie. It basically needs to be, you know, something a little bit more you know, this or that. Well, Mel Brooks basically said straight up, guys, here's the deal. We're showing you this movie out of a courtesy. That is, we're trying to show you what the movie looks like. This is not necessarily something we're trying to show you that you can comment on and we will take your comments seriously. We're just trying to basically show you this is what the movie looks like. Enjoy it. Translation, shut up. We're doing the movie the way we're going to be doing the movie and just back off. If you want to see what the Elephant Man ended up doing, yeah, this was a major Oscar award-winning movie that did pretty good at the box office for the subject matter. If they'd actually thrown in the business decisions, it would have failed miserably. So... Anytime you're trying to debate artistic versus business, just go with whatever you think works. And we'll be pointing a lot of times when, by the way, the the artistic choice didn't always be the uh, best one. But, you know, balance and all that. 
just pointing out that occasionally, if you have to make a decision between artistic and business, and it's literally a flip of the coin, go art. 100%. Have fun with it. This is a comic that, if any comic that you do should be seen as something you're basically having fun with, and not necessarily in the, you know, romp through the park, enjoyable type. It's a, sometimes it will be a slog, sometimes it will be pain, sometimes it will be torture. There's a reason artists in general are seen as people who are, well, masochistic. We like the pain. That's, so obviously, when I'm saying fun, it's obviously a very subjective measure. But, occasionally we do need to keep in mind there is a business into all this. So, yeah. You're going to see a lot of dancing, and it's just part of writing. You've always got to be debating where you're going to put the compromise, and, you know, it's just part of the part of the thing. With that in mind, what we're basically looking at are anarchy-type comics. That is, comics that require a certain level of chaos. We're going to be looking at what kind of rating your comic should you basically actually stick to a particular rating and as a subcategory that we'll be looking specifically at nudity since it seems to be coming up way too often um, we're also going to be looking at the dreaded exposure issue that is are there certain situations where you shouldn't pay the artist and I'm phrasing it that way specifically to tick people off the answer may not exactly be the one you're look looking for but there is sort of an interesting answer on that one. And of course, the dreaded historical racism. Yeah, I know, I'm dealing with a lot with racist topics lately. But I think this one is one that needs to be sort of looked at. Especially if you're trying to do a comic that isn't set in the modern world. So, with that in mind... Let's start off with a little bit of anarchy, shall we? This, what I'm basically referring to as an anarchy comic is not necessarily an actual genre per se. What I'm basically looking at are comics that tend to be, for lack of a better word, not really caring about the rules. Or more accurately, when they do care about the rules, they're trying to tear the rules down to show that the rules are merely arbitrary. And because of that arbitrariness, well... They just don't apply to actual people. The two best standouts in this particular field um, happen to be Johnny the Homicidal Maniac and V for Vendetta. First off, if you're not familiar with Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, this is definitely another comic that you need to sort of track down. The basic idea is that you have Johnny, who prefers to be known as Knee in NY, don't ask. It's actually a pretty good joke. Um, it goes around and, well, he kills people. Sometimes in mass, sometimes individual, and sometimes he suffers great harm himself. Seriously, the guy's got to have a serious healing factor. At any rate, by showing off by taking out these various people, he demonstrates that society should be torn down, sometimes graphically. V from Vendetta, of course, 
is a really great comic that explores, well, sometimes when society gets a little too binding, it needs to be loosened, sometimes with mass explosives. Obviously, both of these are classics in their field, but have spawned a lot of copycats. In fact, way too many copycats. You've got way too many writers who decided, hey, I just want to make these really cool points about society, and what I'm going to end up doing is taking them down in a really rude sort of way. Well, it doesn't always work. First off, the reason an anarchy comic can work is because it provides a really great pressure release for societal pressures. That is, we like making fun of people in charge. The more power people have, the more we feel they should be taking down a notch or two. It's just that you have a really a lot of really great comedy that is pretty much just basically showing the empire that the emperor is actually naked. So, in and of itself, these are actually comics that you know that's a genre that definitely needs to be you know kept up. In fact, when you start doing you know, dark comedy and satire and all that, it's actually pretty high up on the comedy scale. Unfortunately, the problem you have is that, well, a lot of people just simply can't carry it off. That is, they take it way too seriously, and instead of going after people that need to be taken care of, they tend to just simply start going random. I mean, there's a lot of areas in our rules in society that are pretty much arbitrary and we have no real control over. That's something the Anarchy Comics tries to expose, and if they have fun with it, they actually do it pretty well. Uh, Mark Twain is probably the best comedy, if, or best person to look at if you want to see some, somebody who actually was able to do it pretty well, and I hate going old time. But it's, when you start looking at a lot of the comics, you start seeing people like the fabulously, fabulous Furry Freak Brothers and Dara Crumb. That is, people who went after very specific parts of society and exposed that we everybody needs you know simply relax and take a chill pill. Unfortunately, like I said, not a lot of people can carry this one off. So, instead of having a really great comic, which you have instead of just is something that comes off as just simply juvenile. That is you know, why did this is just below the person in question? This is just a comic that is straight attack and they're not actually trying to make any actual points. That's sort of the big problem here. If you are going to do an anarchy type comic, where that is one where you're actually trying to take down society, you can't just simply be in attack mode. You actually have to have a little bit of fun with it and actually show off why these things need to be attacked, and more importantly, what's going to take their place when they are. Don't get me wrong, sometimes you don't want the, something to take over. That's part of why Johnny the Homicidal Maniac works so well. It goes after things and topics that, you know, people don't want to see come back or be replaced by something. Conversely, V for Vendetta tends to have a lot of fun with things and actually shows that sometimes you can replace the high structure with something a lot less, a lot looser. 
So if your comic is pretty much just in attack mode, it may be popular for a little bit, but it's probably going to be one of those what I call what you'd call revolving popularity. That is, just because somebody likes it today doesn't necessarily mean they're going to like it after two or three months. However, those people will be replaced by people who enjoy the same thing. So, even though you don't have the same group of people from beginning to end, usually, you will still have a lot of people in your comic. At the same time, you have a lot of people who use the a lot of the stru structure of an anarchy comic, or the lack thereof, to attempt to hide a lot of mistakes in terms of characterization, or just in terms of plot, and you can't really have that. The irony is, is that when you start dealing with and come a strip that relies on total chaos and randomness, you need to have something that actually, you know, something is hardcore and something really cement there. So, that is, you need that solidity in order to have everything else go blam around you. In V for Vendetta, you actually had V was actually, you know, basically the same characters from beginning to end. And that's exactly what that comic needed. If he had actually changed, had actually evolved, well, the comic would have lost. Something in it just wouldn't be as effective. Johnny the Homicidal Maniac, again, Johnny doesn't really change throughout the comic. That solidity helps when it comes to the sheer amount of chaos that Johnny causes. So, if you're trying to figure out something that's going to be totally random, yeah, it's not going to work as well as you think it is. You can't have a lack of total chaos cover up mistakes of plot and structure. Go figure. So overall, if you're thinking about doing a comedy that's basically tearing down society and it's just, that's pretty much it, seriously debate it. Some people can pull it off, most can't. And unfortunately, it's a major turnoff and definitely it's not going to be doing your career any favors if that's what you're trying to get a reputation for. So keep that in mind. The rating issue is the is always going to be a fun one. On one hand, having no, being known for a very specific rating is definitely going to help your marketing. Let me back up half a step for the three people who aren't aware of the situation. In essence, most rate, most comics tend to follow a particular rating system, and most comics tend to focus on one of those particular ratings for their particular comic. This applies on both ends of the spectrum. That is, just as it's great to have, be known as an X-rated comic, and that will help attract a particular crowd for that comic, at the same time, you also have people who do all-ages comics, which is more of a G-rating thing, and that also helps their marketing as well. That is, they know what they can expect when they get to that particular comic, and... Well, this can be good and bad. The obvious advantage is that it's a great marketing tool. That is, your rating helps to define your comic, and therefore it makes it a lot easier for it to fit into particular niches when it comes to marketing that comic. This is pretty cool. 
Um, again, PvP. We know it's generally going to be a PG comic. That is, they're going to be dealing with a lot of mature subject matter, but they're going to be doing it in such a way that it's, you know, they're not going to be using a whole lot of swearing, they're not going to be using a whole lot of sex nudity, and they're definitely not going to be using a whole lot of violence. Sort of ironic when you realize that one of the main characters is a troll. But, at the same time, if they decided to throw a lot of, you know, if they decided up the nudity, even yet, that would change the comic. It would just be all, all of a sudden be sort of all weirdness. Same, of course, with Johnny the Homicidal Maniac. You expect there to be a lot of blood and gore in the comic. That's just the nature of the strip. If you all of a sudden decided to go into cooking cupcakes and throwing pies, well, unless that pie happened to be filled with very a huge number of sharp objects, it's just not going to fit with the comic and it's going to come off as sort of weird. So in a lot of ways... How you define, or sorry, what kind of rating you're going for when it comes to your particular comic will define that comic. And in and of itself, this isn't a bad thing. Like I keep saying, anytime you, you need something solid to basically define your comic, and going for a particular rating will actually help solidify certain aspects of that particular comic. Which, of course, will allow you to do a lot of weirdness in other areas. However, before you, when you settle on a particular rating, keep in mind that you're going to be stuck to that particular rating. This isn't necessarily saying that the rating should be seen as, well, handcuffs. I mean, yes, it is going to limit your freedom in terms of what you can and can't do, as well as how you do that. And obviously that's part of why you took down that rating in the first place. However, if later on you decide you want to shift gears and do something drastically different in that particular comic, well, your hands are obviously going to be tied by the whatever particular rating you're going with. If you decide to go with an all-ages comic and then shift it into something that Caligula would be proud of, yeah, it's not going to fly too well. Conversely, if you decide to be the ultimate gore-fest comic, and all of a sudden you go to stuffed, you know, comic on stuffed animals. Again, the shifting of the years just doesn't always work. Especially if it's a drastic change. At that point you might as well just start an entirely different comic. And that shouldn't be seen as a bad thing. Yeah, you're going to basically lose a lot of people going from comic to comic. But let's get real. You would have, been, you would have lost a lot of people anyway. And on top of that. If we're, again, we're looking at this from a marketing perspective, having a, you know, X-rated comic for most of it, and then shifting over to a G-rated, is really not going to help your reviews by any stretch of the imagination. The same, of course, applies if you go from G to X. Yeah, it's just, yeah, at that point, if you're going to do anything drastic involving your comic, screw it, just start over. But keep in mind that you need to choose a rating that you're comfortable with right off the bat. If you want to have a, long, a really long-lasting comic, and you decide to pick a rating that you're not comfortable with, 
Otherwise, you're going to create some major issues later on for yourself. So, just straight up. If you, you know, right off the bat, pick a comic or a rating you're comfortable with. That will help define your comic and make things a lot easier for your marketing staff. It will also make things easier for your readers because, again, you're creating a nice, solid footing for your readers to go on. And that's definitely going to be appreciated in terms of your fandom numbers. And, of course, if you're trying to sell stuff, yeah, your merchandise will also have carry-on issues as well. Um, in fact, some sites will not take on certain material. That's, you know, so obviously that's going to be part of when you choose your rating. Conversely, of course, you know, there are going to be some people who are looking for that particular material either because they see it as the rebellion you're trying to foment or they just like it. So, that's just something you need to consider when you're starting a comic. Be nice to yourself. Choose something you're comfortable with. Something you're going to be comfortable for a long time. And if it doesn't end up working out, just start an entirely different comic. Otherwise, you know, you're just going to end up taking more people off than it's worth. A sort of subject section of that is specific nudity. That is, when we start looking at violent swearing, subject matter, that sort of thing, it's pretty much cut and dried. You know, if you want a comic that's going to have rape, or it's going to have violence, or it's going to have lots of swearing, yeah, you're going to want to go for an R and X rating. There's no question of that. Um, you can throw a rape into a PG comic, but as soon as you start getting into a G-rated comic, it just isn't going to come off that well. Nudity, however, is something that can theoretically appear in pretty much any comic. I, yeah, I know how weird that's got to sound, but keep in mind that I'm not looking strictly at, you know, full frontal here. One of the things that sort of amuses me as a child of the 80s is that you have a lot of, a lot of shows and a lot of um, movies that have a lot of, basically... A lot of butts. And the fun part is, is, you know, they do locker room scenes, that sort of thing. Or swimming, or so on and so forth. And especially we do a lot of things that have a lot of historical accuracy to them. You're going to end up with a lot more nudity than you think what, that you would have thought to begin with. I mean, you just can't do a caveman comic and everybody is in Speedos, you know? That's just is going to come off all sorts of weird. At some point in time, even if you have a total G-rated comic, you are going to be debating whether or not you're going to have a quick flash of nudity. So, in and of itself, this is, nudity isn't necessarily a bad thing. Especially if you happen to look at European or Asian comics. You know, you just simply can't do a bathhouse scene if you're going to have everybody running around fully clothed. It's just going to be all sorts of weird. Um, in fact, you even have nudity showing up in even, you know, newspaper comics every so often. 
it's just there's just one of those weird things that allows you a little bit of artistic freedom allows you to have a little bit of fun and ultimately adds a little bit more reality to the situation you know if you're doing with high school boys and you don't include locker room scene at some point there's just something seriously wrong with whatever you're doing um the same applies if you're doing college age at that point you know the streaking scene these are really great ways to have nudity in an, an all-ages comic that actually works and usually won't come off as too offensive. So obviously when it comes to nudity, you are probably going to have some at some point. Even if it's a child, you know, blurred nudity or you're just simply showing from the waist up. Yet, you know, there are ways to pull it off in even a G-rated comic. So definitely don't shy away from it. However, keep in mind that even if we're dealing with an X-rated comic, there are going to be limitations on the nudity, which I know sounds sort of weird. But it's just sometimes too much nudity can actually turn off the audience, even if that's what they're sort of expecting it. You know? If you have if you're dealing with a Caligula's high comic, and all of a sudden you have everybody doing weird things at a business meeting. At some point, somebody's going to start asking, how are people getting any actual business done? If they're having all this fun, where's the actual work? So you're definitely going to have to debate some limits here and there. By the same token, um, you're also going to have to debate how realistic you want the nudity. Obviously, if you're doing a G-rated, you know, showing from above the waist and that's it, that's fine. You don't have to show everything. You're actually going to hit a point, ironically enough, where nudity is actually going to get boring, and you want to try to avoid that. As much as... Piers Anthony made an excellent point in the Blue of Death series. And that's that nudity only has power as long as it's actually used reasonably sparingly and people know the context that it's being used in. If you use it too much, it just isn't going to have the impact it originally did. So, if you're going to have nudity, make sure that you're using it to effect rather than just using it as wallpaper. Yeah, I know there's a lot of great web comics out there that rely on it, especially if you start dealing with uh, barbarian type stuff. You know, where you need that violence and you need that sex and you need that gore. At that point, yeah, yeah you're going to be seeing a lot of nudity. But the point is that you're going to be seeing a lot of nudity within a particular context. And because of that, it's going to tend to work. Like any other tool, you have to debate when you're going to use nudity simply because it's a great tool if used appropriately, which I know is a weird concept, but, you know, if you overuse it, it's going to lose whatever particular point you're trying to make with it. With that in mind, like any other tool, try to use it as sparingly as possible. If you use it, go overboard on it. It's just, yeah, you can have a really popular comic there for a little while. But trust me, your popularity is going to fade and it's going to fade quick. And yeah, that's going to apply to pretty much any other tool you use. Again, if you use 
too much violence and it gets to the point where it's just random decapitation. You know, again, going back to Johnny the homicidal maniac, you've got literally an incredible amount of violence that happens within the particular comic. But because it's staged, because there's an actual context for it, and so on and so forth, that is, it's being used as an actual tool to make a point, we tend to ignore a lot of the violence. Well, actually, that's a lot of the reason why we actually go there in the first place. But, the bottom line here is, anything you use in the comic, you have to be aware that you're using it as a tool to make a particular point. If you're just simply throwing it in there just because it's a random thing, well, you're wasting your time. Eventually, you're going to hit the point where you're going to overuse that particular tool, and a lot of people are going to be running from your comic. Even Johnny the Homicidal Maniac doesn't kill everybody. There are certain people he tends to let go. And even then, there are people who actually manage to get some sort of revenge back on Johnny. Go figure. So, use your tools, but don't use them too much, and that definitely applies to something like nudity, especially considering it's a loaded gun. A lot of webcomic places will limit the nudity they allow, and when you start marketing your stuff, there will be certain images you just simply cannot use for whatever you're trying to use. When you use a t-shirt that shows a full frontal man, it probably isn't going to fly at a lot of t-shirt shops, letting you know ahead of time. So, when you start defining your comic, look at the tools you're using and look at how you're using them. And nudity is definitely one of those that can be used to make a lot of interesting points, all the way from vulnerability. That's great for the beginning of the hero's arc. And, you know, especially if we're looking at initiation situations. At that point, you've stripped the person down to the bare essentials, and you're actually making interesting points about that person in terms of, you know, where they're going to go from there. So, have some fun with it. Don't get me wrong. But don't overuse it. When it comes to your artist or the other person working with you, do not pay them. Try to avoid paying them in exposure bucks. We all know the drill. Um, you've got a lot of people who want to do their comic and they're stressing that this will be great exposure for you. And obviously this causes a lot of people to run. Because it means you are not going to be willing to pay that other person at any particular point, and you're basically going to be treating that person as an intern. Well, here's a reality check for you. You cannot run a business with a partner when that partner is an intern. Yeah, it's great that you have control over all the creative decisions and all that, but that's usually what they're trying to make the point of. But if you are going to... But the reality is, is that the more you're going to be thrusting your decision on somebody else, you need to have that person have an actual incentive in order to take your judgment seriously. And this is sort of the running joke with exposure. You've got somebody who wants to be in total charge of the situation, gain all the profits from this particular situation, and not have to actually pay the other person who's actually making or breaking your comic. You see the problem right off the bat here, right? 
Now, this isn't to say exposure in and of itself is a bad thing. There are certain situations where it can work. However, nine times out of ten, it's not you. That is, if you've got an incredible reputation in the industry and you decided, hey, I need to try something really weird, but I'm strapped for cash because of other issues, odds are you can probably get somebody to come in and help you, at least temporarily. Um, especially if they're young, especially if they're basically looking for, you know, they're, they have no reputation. Or if they happen to be wanting to try something new. You know, if you've got somebody like that and, like I said, you've got an incredible reputation within the industry itself, hey, you know, you can promise exposure and it actually has some actual, you know, cash to it, cachet to it. That's sort of the issue here. Nine times out of ten, when you start looking at the people who are, hey, I'll give you all this really great exposure, it's somebody who's just relatively new to the field himself. The concept of exposure can also work if you're working with a friend and the two of you just want to try something really cool and see how it works. And at that point, hey, go for it. it. You know, have a lot of fun with it, so on and so forth. You know, if you're working with an actual friend and you're not really too sure if it's going to work, yeah, you can use it as a great portfolio piece. In fact, that's what a lot of web comics are used for. Then, of course, at some point they become a little bit something more and things get a little bit more interesting. Keep in mind, however, that there are some issues that you, that, well, putting it bluntly, expo pay for exposure, or sorry, exposure for pay only works temporarily. At some point, the other person is going to realize that, hey, they're putting a lot of effort into something and they're not getting any reward for it. Sure, they're, you know, it's re reality is is that exposure does have some serious diminishing returns and that diminishing happens really quick. Um, you know, this is really great as a temporary solution, obviously. At some point, however, like I said, the person is either going to realize that they're putting way too much effort into something for basically nothing or you're basically pulling way too much of the great stuff because keep in mind that not only are they getting exposure but you're also getting exposure as well on top of that if you're basically making some coin from this and some really good coin and it becomes pretty obvious well the other person is going to basically be asking why aren't you cutting them in for part of the profits at the very least if you Dealing with a situation like this, you want to at least debate deferred payment. That is, we're going to be splitting the funds from this, and it's going to be sucky right off the bat, but eventually we're, we're hoping it'll actually make money. Okay, that's at least semi-acceptable. And in fact, it actually is a legitimate business practice, especially in the artistic fields. Um, keep in mind also that you're not likely to attract anybody who's actually got some pretty good talent themselves. You're going to be getting the people that want to be an artist, but usually don't have the talent for it. In essence, you're going to get what you pay for. So, you know, the bottom line here is when you start playing the exposure card and that's your sole form of payment, 
you're going to get what you pay for. Sure, you might occasionally get that up-and-comer who basically decides, hey, I need to get some actual exposure to, you know, start off my career. But don't count on it. Nine times out of ten, you're going to get the people who don't want to deal with you that if they actually had any real talent, wouldn't be dealing with you. So, at least promise the concept of splitting the profits. If it's just a straight, you know, you're going to be paying an exposure bucks, expect to be made fun of. But, if you're dealing with somebody, if you happen to have that really perfect storm, you know, you're somebody with a great reputation in the comic, you're dealing with an up-and-coming actual talent, and you don't mind splitting the profits over the long run, this could actually work for you. If, on the other hand, yeah, if you don't have those three things going for you, you know, reputation from you, talent from this person you're dealing with, and the promise of something beyond exposure bucks, it just isn't going to work out long term. So keep that in mind. You know, if this is not to say, by the way, that if you are an up-and-comer and you can work with somebody who's pretty good, you obviously take advantage of it. Straight up. It can do nothing but solid for your reputation. But make sure that the person you're working with has an actual solid reputation. Don't just simply go with somebody who says, Hey, I want you to work with this comic. Can you provide art? And you're going to go, Yeah. You know? If the comic works and it can, will actually help your reputation and actually help you build a customer base later on, go for it. But again, nine times out of ten, you've got somebody who's just starting off in comics, who doesn't have a reputation, and has a really sucky script. Yeah, no art in the world will save that. And in fact, will basically cause a negative reputation for the artist who works with it. So keep that in mind. And last but not least... Good old-fashioned historical racism. This is and always will be a really fun topic. However, what I'm trying to basically do is skew the usual racism topic and point out that there are certain situations where, uh, let's be let's be blunt, you've got a lot of people who want to explore racist topics and are therefore putting things into a historical context and so tend to look at those. The only problem is, is that though all this is great and needs to be done every so often, don't get me wrong. It's something you seriously need to debate. First off, let's be blunt. Uh, you know, uh, you're going to need to come across racist topics every so often. And it's just, if you're serious about uh, doing something real, you know, you're going to be dealing with the topic of racism at some point. If you're doing a straight comedy, actually, even if you're doing a comedy and it's a slapstick comedy, you're going to be hitting the concept of racism somewhere. You see, there's something you are trying to avoid because it, part of your comedy is that you tend to fall into stereotypes way too easily. And so, by falling into a stereotype, you're going to be dealing with racism. You know, at that point, you're actually going to be encouraging it because you're dealing with such basic stereotypes. And so obviously that needs to be avoided. 
At the same time, a lot of people are going to be dealing with villains that, well, the easiest way to point out that you've got a villain, especially in today's world, is to make that villain particularly racist. You know, I don't care if it's the stereotypical against blacks or against Asians. The bottom line here is that racism can accept a certain level of villainy. Just don't over, don't make every villain you have a, a racist. However, here's something worth noting, especially if we're dealing with a fantasy world or something like, or even a histor- history, is that, well, a lot of the time you're going to have somebody using the history isn't going to always do great in terms of doing the history. Uh, I just watched a really great Viking movie but then they decided to throw in the sexist thing at the end of it. You know, it's obviously a Viking fantasy. It's not a Viking history thing. At that point, here's my problem. If you're going to have control over every potential aspect of it, and in fact, you're the one setting the rules, then why would you basically include something you're considering something obviously negative? That is, if you, you're the one who can do anything you want to, wouldn't it make a better point to show equality right off the bat? So, I'm not saying, obviously, you know, shy away from showing racism or sexism, but at the same time, if you've got, if you're the one who's actually trying to define the rules and you actually want to make a point that equality is a good thing, wouldn't it be a great way of pointing out, you know, Making your point by actually having equality. You know. It's just something I don't get. You've got all these really cool, great fantasy stories and all this. And then you've got the, the hinge on the point of, you know, some forced racism. And it's going to come off exactly as that. It's forced. And you always want to try to avoid anything that comes off as forced. Because at that point you're basically pointing out that I have no real artistic control over this situation and I'm not really trying to make a point that there's a better option. What I'm trying to do is point out that the old options suck. And in all honesty, you can't really do that. If you're going to basically try to make the point that option A sucks, you need to provide an option B that doesn't. And again, if you're the one who's defining all the rules of your particular reality... Why are you basically including racism? Wouldn't it be, if you're trying to basically make the point that racism sucks, wouldn't it be a better option to basically point out that equality doesn't? And then if we basically go with everybody being equal and everybody having an equal voice at the table, shouldn't everybody be equal right from the beginning? I mean, straight up, if you're going to throw in 27 different other historical Mistakes that make absolutely no sense. They're just simply being arbitrary mistakes. Why not just simply, you know, eschew the the concept of racism altogether? Have some fun with it. Show that equality works. And better yet, show it by basically having it at every possible turn. There is a way to do it without being totally politically correct. It's just by simply not mentioning it. Straight up. You define the world when you write. Why would you do something that basically is a major negative 
just to show that it sucks when everybody already knows it pretty much it sucks. You know? So if you're going to have racism, make sure that it actually has a point to it. If you're doing it just to show that it sucks and that pretty much sums it up, and you have and it's the kind of world where you can actually have some, you're the one defining the rules. Why would you include it if you're not using it to make an actual point? You know. So yeah, I know that's something that comes off as all sorts of weird. Yeah, it's just I'm seeing way too many way too many movies where the entire point is they're trying to basically make a point that racism doesn't work and we know that it doesn't work so at some point let's carry on to the next point and just have a world where it's very limited I think that would be fun to watch or at least definitely fun to read so anyway that's where we are the bottom line here is try to make a decision on what's going to work for your comic know where you are on the business versus art compromise situation and fully go for it. That in mind. Have a good evening. Talk to you later.